Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'll be your host today. And we have the pleasure of having Marissa Gates with us today on the show. Welcome, Marissa. Thanks, Chad. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're grateful to have you. As you know, we love to get lots of stories in an effort to reach somebody else's story or touch a point that somebody can identify with. And we understand that you're embracing a sober lifestyle to become a more engaged and present parent. I can identify with that myself, and I'm excited to get to know more about you. So again, thank you. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yeah, sure. So I've been married for about eight years. I met my husband. It was a whirlwind when we met. We got engaged right away. We started a family almost right away. And we have one child. So our son is five and he's starting kindergarten this year. And we found out that he had autism at about three and a half. I had a little bit of a stint. I wasn't sober when we found out he had autism. So I spent about four months feeling sorry for myself about that diagnosis. Happy to talk more about that, making that all about me and feel sorry for me. Um, I ended up getting sober and taking apart his diagnosis piece by piece and started getting him some real help. And now we're at a point where he can enter kindergarten full-time at a typical school with neurotypical kids. So the last two years have been really difficult at first, but pretty awesome. Yes. Sounds like it. Well, congratulations on the sober lifestyle and how amazing for you and how amazing for your kids and how amazing that you only felt sorry for yourself for four months (laughs) with substances because I know a lot of people like maybe myself who lasted years without substances sometimes. So the key word is sometimes. I'm always grateful and amazed at the people that come on this show and then the courage that you have. And can you tell me a little bit more about how you said unpacking? What does unpacking the whole diagnosis mean to you or the experience? Right. So I feel like as I'm talking to a lot of other special needs parents, a lot of us have similar stories. At that time, at the time we got the diagnosis, you know, when he was a baby, I always knew that there was something wrong. He was a very frustrated child, very frustrated. So he also has sensory processing disorder along with autism. So what I didn't realize was bright lights, loud sounds, like all of these things were more intense for him, right? So being that he was a frustrated baby, I was comparing him a lot to other kids and kind of taking fault was saying, oh, I'm projecting my own anxiety on him. I'm not a good parent. It's my fault. This, 
you know, other women have these babies that, you know, sit there, look at the window, look at the wall, but my child was constantly frustrated. So when I got the autism diagnosis, I literally thought I was going to die. And so me saying that is almost bringing like tears to my eyes because that is so crazy to me now, two years later, that I thought those words, your child has autism, that I couldn't do it, that it was going to kill me. I hardly feel confident enough to be a parent at all. I can't handle this on top of all of that, right? So those four months, yeah, I did feel sorry for myself. I did use alcohol to try to not be present in my life, to try to not deal with it. And so one day I just said, I've had enough and, you know, put down the alcohol and said, okay, how do I get started in getting help for my son? So I started reaching out. I got him into some speech therapy and we started with that. I was also dealing with family members that had a wait and see attitude. And I don't know if you have experience with this, but a lot of older folks my parents are on the older side and my family is on the older side. I feel like there used to be kind of a stigma with special needs, you know, and they kept saying things like, you're overreacting. He seems normal to me. You know, maybe just give him a chance. Why are you pressuring him? Even with the speech therapy, they kind of really didn't want me to go there. Why don't we just see if he starts, you know, talking more later? And as we started speech therapy, I mean, these folks are trained in how to work with little kids, how to work with kids with autism, how to work with kids that have trouble with speech. And I just started listening to other people instead of overpressuring myself and really kind of taking everything to heart and getting overwhelmed and saying, I can't do this. So we started with speech and then we also got involved in diagnosis from our developmental pediatrician and we got involved in ABA therapy. And I just started kind of listening to other people say, you can do this. This is okay. Like we can overcome this. And these are his goals and we're going to get there and we're going to get there together. And then all of a sudden, eight months went by, nine months went by, my kid's chattering off at the mouth. Like he's actually like not, I realized a lot of his frustration had to do with him feeling a lot of things inside that he couldn't communicate. I mean, and so I started trying to put myself in his shoes, like, God, I can't imagine what that would be like to, you know, be thirsty and not be able to say it and not be able to get something to drink for myself, you know, not be able to get myself some water. So, of course, he was frustrated all the time. Totally. Wow. Very well said. And I identify with so much of that. And what a journey. How about just, you know, to get perspective, what's one of the worst moments on is there a, one that stands out, a, a worse moment, a worse day? Yeah. I mean, I think what was the hardest for me and my son or for us with our son is I would really compare him to other kids. This child's doing this and, and my son isn't. You know, we were really close friends with parents that had a very outgoing child. And it didn't matter where they went. She would, you know, they could bring her places and leave. And she was great, you know. And I was just so frustrated about that because. I mean, we couldn't even have strangers come into our house without our son having a total meltdown. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it was like, what is going on? So there were no 
date nights. There was no like break. There was no time. There was nothing. It was just a really, really difficult time for us. But I really think that those four months, and I'm, I'm happy you said that wasn't that long because I really do beat myself up about it. Like I could have been getting him help during that four months. I could have been sort of taking this apart, but I didn't. I just made it everything about me. How could this happen to me? It was me, me, me. And that is just a very addict, alcoholic way of thinking that unfortunately I just struggled with for 20 years. So I also struggle with, you know, mommy needs wine culture. And I firmly do believe that, you know, the whole, I deserve this. I need a glass of wine at the end of the night. I mean, nothing like that is making a mom an alcoholic, but for what it did for me is it really gave me an excuse to take it into overdrive. Well, I deserve this. I've been with him all day. I'm on maternity leave and he's frustrated and he's mad and I'm not doing a good job. And I just really looked forward to that 4.30 glass of wine that became a bottle of wine. And then I didn't have to feel all of these things going on. And then once I kind of got in there and got a handle on that, I really do feel like I started realizing this isn't that bad. And his autism makes Marcus Marcus. You know, there's so many quirky things that he does that I just love that I know is his autism. So I started seeing the way he processes information as really beautiful. That's awesome. I think recovery has some amazing correlations with raising special needs children because it's such an extreme moment. You know, it's sort of like this. I mean, everybody, when they get the diagnosis, even when they know that there's something going on with their child, it's like, it's a huge moment in every parent's life. And, and you kind of have that moment where, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to sink or, or swim? And most of us sink and recovery, like for most people is like that, you know, you hit the floor, you hit the bottom for most people. It's a hard, low you know, kind of place in their life. And then the only thing you have to change is everything. So that's good. <laughs> so you don't have to remember anything about yourself. And then all these, you know, being of service and trying to be present and, you know, seeing all these things in your son that are amazing. It's like everybody on the planet should get that. Right. Yeah. But like, if you don't have a, if you don't have a low bottom or a huge moment, then you just can kind of like coast in the middle and never really maybe push yourself to your greatest potential and your son's greatest potential. I think it's an amazing experience. And I know that for not to throw her under the bus, but I know that my ex started, you know, felt like she couldn't take it. And that led to, we get divorced. That led to, okay, I'll pick up the four kids, but I can't, take the one with severe special needs. Like I just can't deal with that. So then that became, okay, well, there's the visits are only, you know, now we're like disowning one of the children, which yeah. just like made me cry every time I was driving back because I'm like, I hope he doesn't know anything that you think, you know what I mean? Like, I hope he doesn't know that his mom's not willing to take him and include him and think of him as part of the family because that would be the most horrible thing like for a child to have to feel. And then that went to, there's no visits. I have hundred percent custody and it's all about her and her world. And 
unfortunately, it's not that crazy that she's doing that. I mean, that's like a fairly common pathway that people can take. And she's not the only one taking that. So I don't know. Is there anything that you wish that you knew then that you know now? Yeah. I really wish that I didn't listen to everybody else. Like I said, and I'm sure you had this too. I knew that there was a problem right when he was born, right? He didn't sleep through the night for 16 months. He didn't walk until he was 16 months old, right? There were things that I just were in the back of my head that I just thought something is wrong. And I live in California and there is a state program in California which provides speech therapy up until three years old. And I was looking into getting involved with that. He was saying some words, but he really wasn't talking very much. And I listened to kind of people say, well, just wait and see, just wait and see. And I think it had to do with like not wanting that stigma of having the special needs child. Like you go back to what your wife, right? Like you're not dealing with it. You're pretending it's not there. So that's kind of what I was dealing with, you know, and then when I got him into speech therapy and I saw how great it was, I saw how well he responded. I was frustrated that I didn't take advantage of these programs and these services that are available. There's also a lot of stuff online about ABA therapy, which I totally understand. Um, this is a therapy that's been around for, you know, 20, 30 years. And um, it was a lot different back in the 70s than it is now. So I firmly believe that everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own way. If a parent decides not to do ABA therapy, that's great. Their plan works for them and that's awesome. For us, it made a huge difference. He really wanted to engage and be around other kids more than anything, but he didn't know how to initiate. When I would pick him up from preschool, he was in a daycare from the time he was four months old. So he was always in a daycare setting, a preschool setting, but I would pick him up and he would be kind of all the kids would be playing together and he'd be off to the side having a great time, but not with the other kids. And then I asked the teacher one day, I said, are you concerned that he doesn't really play with the other kids? And she goes, he plays side by side, but I'm more concerned that he's not talking as much. And then she goes, I suggest taking him to a speech pathologist. So that was actually the first person, the speech pathologist was the first person to tell me this is autism. And then she brought in things like hand flapping and um, echolalia, which I was like, I don't even know what that is. Right. <laughs> and I'm dealing with all of this like overwhelming. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, when you ask him a question, like, what do you want for dinner? He says, what do you want for dinner? He, Because that's when he would talk really well, when he would repeat, you know, and right. I would say, what's the problem? That's just what he does. And she's like, no he's processing like and so i think it was about not letting those things upset me and just start to understand once i understood that when he was repeating things he was just processing and trying to understand and then i would see him hand flap and i wouldn't get upset by it at first i was upset like oh my god mm -hmm. he has autism look you know like i would do that and that makes me sad you know yeah. that i did but now i realize when he does this it's an overflow influx of emotions. And it's usually really good excitement. Like it's a very positive thing when he's doing it. So we do it too, you know, yeah. along with him, oh, you know, and, and, and I told ABA too, I said, listen, I understand teaching him to play with toys the way other kids want to play with toys, but I also want him to have the confidence to teach other kids to play with toys the way he likes it. Right. Like he lines up his cars. Like, I don't want 
him to be discouraged from doing that. But I want him to be more open-minded to the way other kids play with toys. That's fine. But I also don't want to discourage his autism. I want to be able to understand why he's doing it the way, uh, why he's playing with toys the way he is, for example. So. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I also wanted to tell you that I had somebody on who felt bad because they didn't catch it until their child was 22 years old. So there's all different stories. There's something in my heart that tells me that we caught it at the exact time we were supposed to catch it. We're growing in the way that we're supposed to grow to be the best parent that we can be for our child. And it just so happens that I think my child with the most severe special needs is my greatest teacher. And it's going to, and he's the one that's making me the best person and father. It just doesn't work the way we all thought it was supposed to work in our little fairy tale mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you with that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I, the saying, like I was the best parent before I became a parent. You know, I had all these ideas of how things were supposed to be, you know, and then I have this very frustrated baby and I, things aren't supposed to be this way. And for me, like, you know, I mean, embracing a spiritual program, like that includes God, right? It's like, no, this is on purpose. (laughs) You know, this is definitely on purpose. I was a very social child. I wasn't the smartest child. Like I don't have the memorization that he has. Like he knows all the planets and all the moons and what moons go with what planets at fives. I love it. I was not that way, but I had no issue going up to other kids and saying, my name is Marissa and I want you to play with me. You know? So I really do believe that this is on purpose. This is teaching me tolerance, acceptance, inclusivity, all of the things that I really needed. Mm -hmm. You know, we are put in each other's life to understand each other. It really is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You made me think of a story that I went through. So I have five kids and we had, you know, the house on the hill with ocean views. And when the divorce started happening, we moved, you know, kind of far from their schools, but I wanted to keep them in the same schools because that was going to be the only thing that they had for consistency. And the ex had the house, the money, the cars and everything. And we were running out of gas because I didn't have enough money for gas a lot of the times because it was a long way. And all my kids, like, I mean, I think one of them was five and they're out pushing the car on the highway. And I'm so like, you know, embarrassed, nervous, like, and I don't want them to think of me that way. I don't, I didn't want them to think that I was like the lesser of parent, you know, because I'm the parent who doesn't have money to put gas in the tank. And my kids and I have never been so close. I mean, we are, it's the best thing in the world. And It wasn't like that before. I would come home from work and do, you know, check the box and blah, blah, blah. And I really had no relationship with them. So it's almost like I needed to have all of these distractions or adversities to be able to have, you know. It's funny like that, how that it works out like that. I was the same. I checked the box and I would use that as a reason to drink. I would say I make the lunch every day. I pick them up you know, at 4.30 and I get them to bed. I do all these things. My husband traveled a lot, right? So I was really mom and dad a lot. So I used all these things as like, I haven't, you know, gotten fired. I bring in an income. I have all these things. So I don't have a problem. But when I found my sober community, I remember one of the most important things somebody said to me is my son was three and a half. And I was sitting there going, 
I don't think I'm that bad. You know, we all do this. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I'm that bad. And this lady said to me, well, how old is your son? Because really the only thing I want to do in life now, and even then was be a good parent. And I didn't know how, I didn't mm -hmm. know how to do it. And she said, how old is your son? And I said, three and a half. And she said, listen, if you keep hanging out with us, he doesn't even have to meet that person. You know, he never has to know what that's like. Right. And that sounded pretty good, yeah. <laughs> you know, to me. And that's no like judgment on anyone, you know, that got sober later when their kids were older. I mean, that's beautiful too, because their kids can like really kind of relish in what their parent has been able to achieve, you know? So for me, that comment always stayed with me. It really is. It's like that adversity. And you could look back at that. Remember that? It just makes you just a better parent. Yeah, we get our chance to have create our own story. So how about taking, you know, at the same time, it's still not an easy job to be a parent of a special needs child, even if you have all of these enlightenments and, and uh, abilities to stay present. So how do you take care of you? What do you do to stay on the path that is the path you want to be on? Yeah. So for me, gratitude is everything. It's everything. And these sayings, our sober community, like mean everything, you know, one day at a time. So that's how I kind of took his autism diagnosis. Like, okay, we'll start with speech and okay, we'll start with this. So one thing at a time, I can do this. I can do it if it's one thing at a time. Every night I replay the whole day, work, interactions, interactions with my partner, how I parented, how bath time went, how bedtime went. If I was able to keep my cool through all of the stubbornness and everything that goes along with it. And I think, okay, these are the things that, you know, I did today that were good. And these are the things that I'm going to do better tomorrow. So that has helped me. I also got connected with a gym here locally. And, you know, I go and work out. I kind of listen to music. That's kind of my special time. And then I also got involved in some yoga classes. I'm not that great with it. I'll be honest, like classes aren't my thing, but it's kind of a meditation yoga to the point where the teacher's like, I don't care if you lay there and shut your eyes the whole time. And that's the me time that I have. But I'm so lucky that my ABA behavior coordinator told me when she was coming over to the house to work with my son, I had to be there with them because if I went upstairs, my child would have meltdown. And she said, like, this isn't going to work. Like, and I kind of wanted to argue with her and she's like, no, we're going to work on this. We're going to set a timer. You're going to go upstairs for two minutes and you're going to listen to him kind of have a difficult time and you're going to stay there and then you're going to come down. And this is how we're going to kind of wean him away from being so attached to you. So mm -hmm. that moment and getting through that got us to the point where we could actually have babysitters come to the house and he's okay. Right. So another thing we do is we go out like once a month, like out to dinner, just us. And we make a rule like we're not talking about Marcus, you know, even though it's really hard because he's our only child. That's what we yeah. want to talk about. So I think it's just important if you're able to save the relationship that you're in, because I know you have a lot of special needs parents on here. A lot of folks don't make it through. It's hard, you know, to just really cherish that and remember the times where you almost didn't make it and really kind of put your marriage like on the level of importance as you know the relationship with your child. It's amazing the different program. You, first of all, you're taking care of yourself program. If everybody did that, it would change the world. Like it would almost be a 180. First of all, it's inspiring to hear the things that you're doing. 
those are the things that you know I'm striving to do. And it's amazing how the 12 steps lead are just a program for that would benefit everybody on the planet. My mom's a, she's a psychologist, like 40 years. Uh, if you're listening, mom, hey, how are you? And she saw the transformation that the 12 steps had had and was so amazed and had never seen anything like that in her 40 years that she was looking for some way to qualify for one of the, she was like going through and finding out like, oh, there's this and there's this. And then she found one for eating. And so she's yeah. like, I, I can identify with that. And is having an amazing life today and is more present than she's been in 70 years. And it's so cool to watch. She's not stuck in her ways, you know, like it's so awesome. So I'm glad you're benefiting from some of those things. The 12 steps are everything. Like sometimes I talk with somebody and I think, God, if this person doesn't drink, they really do need a 12 step program with something. You know, for yeah. me, I didn't realize I had no self-awareness before ever. I didn't realize that I was constantly in myself Taught, like worried about myself, putting myself first. And so I'm just so grateful that I was able to step back, you know, and actually try to write some of the things that I did. And it's such a freeing experience to do that, right? Like I always knew, you know, I, I feel like if people aren't involved in a recovery program, they always know that we apologize, right? Like, yeah. oh, when is that going to happen, right? So yeah. it's like sitting there, that ninth step, like, oh, God, I'm going to have to apologize. I'm going to have to apologize. But once it happens, even if the person doesn't respond, it's still a very positive thing because it's like I laid it all out there and I meant it and I owned it. So I think kind of owning who you are is a big part of it. And we also have a rule in the house and Marcus even knows it. It's like rule number one in this house is you tell the truth, no matter what, you know, you tell the truth, like no matter what. And even if it's hard, like we're going to be there for you. I feel like the way I grew up was a little different. You know, I always was worried I was going to get in trouble. So I tried to weasel out of it and get around it and kind of make things a little bit brighter and better. Like, oh, I didn't really do that, you know, but it's like, okay. And when he does own it and when he does tell the truth, that's all he gets is love and acceptance. And okay, we're your parents. We're going to get there together. And I feel like that message is so important for little kids. Yeah, that's awesome. I have a brand. It's called Rocco Blue and it's for parents. It's to support parents with special needs children. The message there and any of the online courses and all that we do there is really saying that the good news and the bad news is the there's only one thing that has to change. And the one thing that has, but the bad news is maybe is that the one thing that has to change is you. Like, and so it's basically with that brand, it's a gentle massage of going from wherever the person is to slowly get to the place where they realize that it's not about what kind of games or toys or devices that they get for their child or figuring out how to handle this or that. I mean, all those things are great. And that's part of just, you know, developing in life. But that's not what's going to change them from not wanting to wake up tomorrow or feeling like they're doomed. And, you know, they're not going to have it's this is going to be a nightmare, right? The only thing that's going to fix that is kind of taking responsibility and realizing that the only thing that has to change is you. And if you take those steps, some of these steps, then then you can have the most amazing life beyond your wildest dreams. And if you don't, I don't really know how you're going to get out of it because it sucks not being able to go on a family vacation like everybody else. 
it's not fun. My girlfriend and her two kids have been going all summer long and I've been at home cleaning drool and, you know, shit off the walls and stuff like that. And I wanted to be at the lake on the boat, you know, and I felt sorry for myself a few times. And I, fortunately I have this show and I come on this show and talk to other people. And that's my, like my check. It's like, check yourself, you know, and then I go, go give my kids all a hug after I talk with y'all. And cause I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. Um, I love your quote, your favorite quote. I thought it was so great. I was inspired before I even met you. (laughs) He who blames others has a long way to go on his journey. He who blames himself is halfway there. He who blames no one has arrived. Totally. And I think it's important to recognize that when I was in my addiction, I mean, and it was 20 years, you know, and it got progressively worse. And I'm so lucky that I can say like nothing horrifically bad happened. I was a walking yet. I really was. But I noticed that I was so great at it. Like whenever something bad happened to me, I was always able to just turn everything around and blame it on something else or blame it on somebody else. I mean, even the autism diagnosis, I probably tried to blame my husband. Like, well, you guys have these weird people in your family and blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't even tell you how, but like, really, I had the unique ability to victimize myself in every situation. And really, I had to get to a point where I had to start listening. Actually, you know what it was? I actually had to be around people that would call me on it and Mm say, are you listening to yourself? And it's like, I wanted to be accepted so bad and I wanted to be a part of them that I actually took a step back and started listening to myself. And it's not perfect. I still do it every once in a while. Like it never goes away, but I think it's important, you know, to remember that. And then also just with the world we live in right now, there is so much blame going everywhere that it's important to say, like, can you take a step back and figure out what part is yours? Because you you mentioned something earlier that I thought was important. Like the only thing that has to change is you. Like typically as alcoholics, as addicts, we're very controlling people. So when I heard the only thing has to change is you, it was at first scary. But then I realized, well, I can control myself, right? Like that's within my control. So if the only thing that has to change is me, then I can do that. When it comes to changing other people, I can't do anything there, Right. Right. I think that that's what's important. But yeah, I mean, blaming nobody, that's like nirvana. That's just like to the point where it's like, I'm at peace right now. That's what makes that not bad news because the journey while accepting responsibility, in my opinion, for me has been a beautiful journey. It may sound like it's negative that you have to, you're the only thing that has to change, but it turns out that the journey becomes it's amazing i wish it for everybody how about because i know you're busy how about we do like a little lightning round of questions one word to one sentence answer or whatever you want Um, and we'll go through a few questions so that we can get some more of your thoughts and opinions and experience does that sound all right sounds awesome okay so (laughs) what's the best advice you have received god i would say relax. Just relax. Take a breath. Relax. It's going to be okay. Share a personal habit that contributes to your success. I would say yoga and swimming. 
my son loves swim lessons. I feel like it's important to kind of find what they're into and really try to take it all the way. So he loves his swim lessons. He loves his time. And if you're in the pool, there's no phones. There's not a whole lot of distractions. So that's like completely parent and child time that you can have. So that's what helps us. Cool. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Yeah, I think it's important. Social media is a double-edged sword, I feel like. Sometimes it can be a very difficult thing to deal with. But I have gotten connected with other special needs moms in the area. And I also, at my son's ABA therapy, I noticed that he really connects with the other autistic kids there. So I've put myself out there with those moms and tried to make play dates and you know, put, it's really hard for me to do that. I'm a very like introverted person. So to say, hey, can I have your phone number? AA, help me with that because we're always getting everybody's phone numbers. So I just said, I'm going and I'm getting phone numbers and I'm listening to other people and their journey. And that's their journey. I might be able to take some good things from that and I might not. But getting involved in, if you're on Facebook groups of local moms that are special needs parents, I think are, is a really important thing to do. Awesome. What's next on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? I really need to rip the Band-Aid off with AA and start sponsoring other women. I've been the person that's been asked to be a sponsor and I've choked on that and been like, oh no, this person would be better for you. That's my fear. I really need to not be afraid of messing up and not be afraid of failure. But I feel like that's going to help me stay sober and then also help another person. I realize I know when I'm helping other people that I'm out of self. That's number one. Not that I'm qualified to say so, but (laughs) it sounds like you're ready for that for one. And for two, I heard that 49% of the program is the 12 steps and 51% is giving back. So there you go. Yeah. What, what's the one thing you think would improve your life if you had it or did it? God, it's going to be so weird for me to say this, but I can't think of anything that would improve my life. Like, I really can't. Like, I really do think that everything is great because it all starts within here, right? Like, I used to look at outside influences, like outside things to make me happy. But really, I really worked on, you know, I also, when I got sober, I got into therapy too and started unpacking some of the traumatic things that happened in my life. And my therapist helped me with, hey, listen, if you're safe inside, you'll stop looking to all of these other things to Mm. make you feel safe. And then when they let you down, you won't get disappointed because you're responsible for that. You know, so I feel like our life is at a really beautiful place right now. That's awesome. And kind of wrapping up, and I'm so grateful that you spent the time with us today. Is there any guidance or things that stood out from our conversation or things that are still on your mind that you'd like to share with Naked Parent Nation, which are our people? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say just don't give up. There was a time where I was really willing to get a divorce just to be right, just to not be called an alcoholic. If you have a partner that's being affected by your substance um, use, really listen and really kind of take a step back because that's your partner. That's a person, you know, that you chose to be with, right? Like take that seriously. And then also just say like, it's very common for special needs parents not to make it. 
But if you happen to, you know, be able to come through the most difficult pieces of it, cherish that relationship. And then also just don't be afraid to do a 12-step AA program. I wouldn't walk in those rooms. I've actually tried to get sober before. And I wouldn't walk in those rooms because I was convinced they were full of people that were just losers complaining about their lives, like couldn't do things. Like, And when I walked in the first time, kind of with my hands up, like I don't have the answers. And these women put their arms around me and said, we love you and we're going to help you. That's what I needed to hear that day. So if anybody is, I guess, worried about like their alcohol consumption or kind of using it as like justification to deal with stress and they're worried about if they could get through it, the best thing they could do is get an app, get the AA app, find a meeting close to you and just kind of walk in that door and raise your hand and say, I don't know if I have a problem. And if you say that, you're going to get the answers in that room that day. Beautiful. So beautiful. There was, um, I recently listened to a podcast. It was on purpose and he was interviewing Darren Prince, um, who tells an amazing recovery story for anybody who wants to go check that out. It's pretty inspiring and it's really powerful. And this conversation with you today, Marissa was powerful for me. And I hope that, um, others out there, Naked Parent Nation, you know, had the experience that I did and, Thank you for being with us today. I wish you all the best on your journey and I would love to catch up down the road and maybe we can do this again. Thanks, Chad. It was awesome. All right. All right. Peace out. Bye. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.